0: This is the Food About Town podcast. I'm Chris Lindstrom, your host. This episode is brought to you by the Food About Town studio. If you're looking to record your own podcast or do voiceover work, contact me at foodabouttown at gmail.com or come find me on social media. you the host of an upcoming podcast, reach out to see if my setup would work for you. This week's episode is the first part of a two-hour conversation I had with Michael Warren Thomas from saverlife.com and also the host of Five Hours of Radio Every Week on WYSL, 1040 AM and 92.1 FM. Um, Michael's been recording his radio show from 1994 in Rochester, and it's a truly impressive feat. Uh, I had a great time going through his history in this part of the episode, talking a little bit about Finger Lakes Wines and how they're not on as many menus as you'd think, And we kind of take a break after that and go on to the second part where we do some wine tasting and get into some political stuff. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Tune in next week for the second part. And if you are enjoying, please give us a rating on iTunes or share this episode on social media. Thank you. Has finally arrived, and we've had two days in the teens. Um, and I am here in the podcast studio with somebody I've been listening to on a podcast but f- through the radio for a while. Uh, it's uh, Michael Warren Thomas. I, I don't know how to describe what do you, you say from Saver Life, is that your main title? Yeah, from Saver the radio life. stuff,
1: saverlife.com. Yeah, and the guy with three first names,
0: yeah, and it's for me. I think the, the most distinctive thing is I can't help but try to sound like you when I say your name. Because you have one of the most, and hopefully you don't take this the wrong way, one of the most distinctive radio talking voices I've ever heard.
1: Awesome. My father could have done my shows and no one would know the difference. We identical voices.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah, see, it's I don't know what it is. It's, it's, really, it's really calm. It has almost an NPR vibe to it, but it's distinctly you.
1: That's why I'm on in the morning, not in the evening, because <laughs> it's it's calm. It's easier to wake up to.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not maybe a nighttime energy show, right? But that, <laughs> but that's okay. So, um, let's let's start off with saying, you know, where can people find you? You're you're on the radio.
1: Yeah, Saturday, Sunday mornings. I broadcast uh, from 9 to noon Saturdays, 9 to 11 Sundays on WYSL 1040 AM and 92.1 FM. The, the AM is easy to remember, especially around April 15th, because it's your it's your tax form, 1040. Oh, God. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Negative connotation, but, but it's awfully memorable. Oh, absolutely. And then it streams on my website, saverlife.com. And the station also streams. Uh, and... It's just that it's a very conservative station, and I tend—I think I'm, I'm one of the only liberal voices on the station. So,
0: is it really? Is it just conservative political talk all day? Largely,
1: largely, and, and a lot of local sports. It is a—it is one of the few locally owned radio stations left. Yeah, there there's are, really aren't know. many.
0: I mean, I know there's, and I—I I apologize ahead of time to anybody who's in the radio business. I know there was a—I I met a gentleman at—I went to the Rochester Media Dinner last year and he was um i think he did a does a jazz station
1: yeah jzr probably
0: yeah really classy guy really yeah. great guy i was talking to um uh, uh, but there's, there's just not many anymore There's dkx
1: which is a old yeah old time station that they do a great work but that's about it and you know, it's radio is corporate like like most media is and it's i, I you know even though the station is uh, way more conservative than i am um it's it's really uh uh, you know, it, 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 it's great to be uh, with an independent local local business. I mean, the, the station owner sometimes is there doing the engineering for me. Oh, really? Uh, Bob Savage is is the station owner, so I, I really appreciate. After I think it was seven years on on uh, corporate radio, I was on WHTK initially. I, I really appreciate having a, a local independent station to be on.
0: Yeah, it kind of opens up what you can do. I'm sure a little bit too.
1: Yeah, they're way more helpful than corporate radio ever was
0: to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you you're a pretty long form at this point.
1: Yeah, long well, twenty two years in uh, long in that sense. Wow, twenty two years. Five hours uh, every weekend.
0: It's five hours every weekend. All right. Saturday See, I, and
1: Sundays. So I started out with just one hour. Right. Gardening—that was the initial show, but I couldn't keep my sponsors during the winter, because they were the gardening garden centers were pretty quiet in January and February, like they are right now.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to stop there just because I kind of grew up in that world in the in the gardening world. Uh, my parents run a small greenhouse and Christmas tree business in Buffalo, so I grew up in that world. I'm wondering how did you get into the the gardening side? Was it personal or?
1: Yeah, I had a landscape business, a landscape design installation business, and uh, initially, I was looking to do uh, a live half hour next to Doc and Katie Abraham who were on WHAM for fifty two years.
0: Fifty two years. Uh, yeah, every
1: time I think twenty two years is a long time on the radio. I think <clears throat> I, I'm not halfway even for for Doc and Katie. That's so, amazing. But they were at the time I was looking at it. They were. It was always pre recorded, and the Doc and Katie show. They're called the Green Thumb, and so I, I proposed to the station WHAM to do a, a live half hour with me, maybe afterward, just so there was a chance for people to call in.
2: Right, right.
1: But that that didn't work. So they uh, they they uh, uh, bought WHTK, I guess, r- around that time, and said, "No, now you can buy the time on this other station if you like." And so uh, I did, but it was expensive and I, I, I'm not independently wealthy. So luckily uh, Sarah's garden center, which is in Brockport where they were my first sponsor and, and said, we'll sponsor you until you get others. Yeah. So uh, they basically, I've done free advertising for them for the last 14 years as a, and a will ongoing basis as a thank you for their, for their, uh, their trust, their, their vote of confidence in me.
0: That's amazing. I yeah. mean, especially especially to have those kind of relationships going for that long.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, really, uh, it, it's these small independent businesses like like your parents, you know, and and their business in Buffalo that really give us our sense of place. I mean, people could go buy their Christmas tree at Walmart. It'd
0: and... be, it's it's such a sad Christmas tree, though. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it, it is a, a totally sad tree, and, and they may even have a few nice trees, but. You know, it's it's that sense of place of of local independent businesses. Some are quirky, some are no doubt about that. Yeah, you know, and and that's that's what makes life interesting. I I, I don't want to have I don't want to go in the same store every day or the same travel the country and always go in the same store and not get a sense of where I am.
0: It's kind of disappointing, isn't it? When when you find your people, you go traveling. And there's nothing more disappointing than when people are on vacation in a new city, and they're like, "Oh, let's go to let's go to Applebee's or let's go to, you know, some chain restaurant." It it, it crushes me. I mean, I'm not. It doesn't crush me, but it it's just amazingly disappointing.
1: Yeah, it's a lost opportunity. Yeah, uh, and maybe there's some cases where you have to. You know, someone's dying of starvation, and uh, you know you've got to stop and eat there. But these days with the internet and. Smartphones, you can you can find cool places relatively easily. Yeah, uh, just just on the phone and in a fairly short time.
0: Absolutely. So, gardening was the first show. Um, and I so what what was the next one that came on after you started the gardening show, and how long after was that about?
1: So, I couldn't keep the sponsors during the winter, and so I would lose my time, my hour. Uh, and I would have to go back to an earlier hour. So when I first got the opportunity to buy time, it was a 7 to 8 a.m. show. And, and, okay. I'm, not, and I'm sure there's lots of people awake at 7 a.m. I'm generally not one of them. <laughs> uh, I, I may be standing upright, but I'm not awake. And so when I started the gardening show, I got that that early slot. But then the shows around after me left. At, you know, They'd be on for a couple of months. They would leave, and i get the chance to move up. So I moved up to the 9 to 10 hour
0: it's a much more equitable hour. Much, yeah, it make, makes you feel like a human at nine o'clock in the morning. I and
1: mean, I, I there's people are wide awake at five a.m. or earlier, but not me. So, <laughs> so I would lose that slot, and I would come back in the spring and tell the station, you know, what can I buy, and they'd be back to you know seven to eight because no one else wanted it. Right. And so then I work my way back up to nine to ten, and luckily I heard a a food show in Boston that Pat Whitley had done for like 35 years at that point. Wow. And I just happened to, we were visiting Keep uh, Cod, I think, and I, I was just spinning the radio dial on the car board while I was driving somewhere, and I ran into this food show and, and thought, you know, I, I could do that here in Rochester. Uh, the the bad part was he was taking negative calls about restaurants. So someone would call in and say, you know, the soup was cold, the, the server was not nice, you know, it just... Yeah, I I hated listening to that. So kind of
0: like the kind of like the the public forum Yelp of the day, I'd yeah, imagine. Basically, but, yeah. I mean, it's not to say that. Now, I, I'm not trying to malign Yelp. That's where I started personally, um, and I think there's a lot of good people on there. It's just it, it does give voice to those gives voice to the cranks of the world.
1: Yeah, who who may or may not be right. Yeah, I, it's just I didn't want to listen to it, and and I don't want to read it. Yeah, really, I think that and, I think that's and a and fair Yelp. point. So that's never really been a problem. No one's no one's called in and said negative things about places. Uh, well,
0: I think you do. Pr- you provide a a positive voice uh, when it comes to. It seems like which, whichever direction you're going, it seems like you're trying to provide a positive voice and really just providing information on a lot of things to people.
1: Well, I had one person email me recently, and it's really only been one or two over a couple decades, uh, saying that I'm talking about politics too much and making unscientific comments and droning on about uh, gas storage on Seneca Lake. Or oh, see, so yeah,
0: I'm, I'm I'm ready to go some, on that.
1: Some of these other issues, which uh, I I have to talk about because they're so important to the Finger Lakes. This person probably is a conservative who listens sure. to a conservative station and turns it on the station you know turns the radio on in the, on a on a saturday morning and here's this fairly liberal guy talking about fossil fuels are the uh, <laughs> need to be need to be left in the ground and and yeah. uh, crust of energy needs to go back to texas so uh, <laughs> with the election this year i'm i'm going to be talking more about it because yeah. uh it's it's too big an issue it's too important an election to let all that stuff go. Yeah. You you don't get into politics here though. I'll I'll get
0: into whatever. I'm actually really interested in getting into that into the to the finger lakes the natural gas stuff because it's been a big topic for you recently. Um I, I do want I want to get through the history first just so we get your get your background and tell people what you're doing. So the food show is was your next one. And I guess my it's kind of a stream of consciousness in a lot of ways. You you go, you're just covering whatever's on your mind that week, and it can be you know covering a dinner you had, covering events, Um, but it's you know it's it's a running it's a running dialogue with yourself almost.
1: I guess hopefully a few (laughs) listeners. My mother's listening when she's in town, Uh, and yeah, I, I, I hopefully I can let people know some of the interesting things going on, some of the. You know the uh the unusual things the things that aren't maybe written about in the media that much, so the more something's written about in the media, the less in, in the less I'll cover it yeah. in terms of food news all and and actually, I have to say the stuff about Crestwood and gas storage is not really being written about at all, so it may be even more important to cover that, but you know let's say uh you know a restaurant takes out. Lots of ads because not on, on my show, but just on TV and newsprint about some big event they're doing. I'm probably not going to cover it very much because yeah. it's out there. But I'd rather cover the smaller things that uh, some of them listening might say, "Wow, I got I to gotta go do that." And I'm only going to hear about it if I listen to Michael's shows,
0: right? I've definitely learned about some interesting smaller events that I never would have, I never would have heard about before. A lot of the you know the small farm dinners and the special events, especially around the finger lakes yeah so it's,
1: it's like there's one in Ithaca you know that, they're not going to advertise in Rochester paper probably and uh, and and uh, the, you know you're not going to hear about it unless you happen to listen to my show or check it out online and uh, and you know listen to past shows hmm.
0: so I guess let's dive into the finger lakes now because that's your that's your other show correct is your
1: yeah, well, to give you the full history, is it's it's meandered a little bit. Yeah, um, the the wineries really were taking over my food show as sponsors, mm-hmm. and so I started a wine show. But I didn't want to do a two-hour wine show at that time, and uh, I'd heard Ed Cornwall doing antiques, and I love history, I'm interested in antiques, so I thought maybe wine and antiques would be a cool combination, one hour after the other on sure. Sundays. And so I did that with him for five to seven years, somewhere in that range. Um, so I so I launched two hours on Sundays at that point. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, he had a heart attack, uh, and w- we lost a great resource of knowledge about local history and world history, and uh, really a fascinating person. And I have a, uh, cassette tapes in the old days of, of our shows, so at some point I'm going to, to put those online, so it's, it's really timeless information about antiques. Uh, so then, I, you know, I, I continued it for a few months, but then uh, we st- we launched this fast ferry to Toronto, and so uh, I'd already been covering the Niagara wine industry quite a bit mm-hmm. on my wine show. Uh, they, they were they're doing some amazing things in, in Canada, uh, and so I, I launched a Toronto show uh, with my wine show. So it was wine. Uh, and then an hour on Toronto, interesting. And, uh, Toronto and Niagara, and uh, with the fast ferry, there's a cool cool connection. And uh, Toronto is an amazing city, most culturally diverse city in the world, and it's, it's so
0: so dynamic.
1: A couple hours, and uh, I think I still I still have my Saver Toronto uh, webpage up, and if, yeah. you, if you look there, I think at the bottom of it is uh, a, a photo of. The ship they should have used to go between Rochester and Toronto, which was uh, hydrofoil.
0: Ooh, very cool.
1: Sort of airplane-looking thing that mm-hmm. uh, was... I don't, I don't think it actually takes any cars, but it would it would get to Toronto in like 50 minutes, 60 minutes.
0: Oh, that would have been amazing. Uh, now,
1: now, that's a fast ferry. Absolutely. Two and a half hours, you can drive it in almost that. It's It may be a faster ferry than the slow ones on Cape Cod, but yeah that was a that was a lemon of a ship it was horrible timing because of SARS in Toronto and oh yeah and then 911 which just hammered the trucking traffic they were depending on trucking really uh so anyways it will be back some point we will have a ferry to and from Toronto and
0: you know what you really don't need cars on a ferry to Toronto no like what what do you if you're well, going... coming this way
1: coming this way you you you, you do. do except you know with with uh, car rental, Uber, and Lyft now, you know As soon they, they, they can get a car up. at the at the beach and then drive. They, Absolutely, they don't need to have their own car necessarily.
0: Yeah, you get some Zip cars, you get Uber and yeah. Lyft. I mean, who you don't need a car. And yeah. if you're going to Toronto, which I mean, let's face it, it's going to be most of the traffic is coming from Rochester to Toronto. You you really don't want a car in Toronto. It's it's hard to park there. But you know, I think a
1: surprising number of people would. Come across this way for the golf courses. True. We have like a hundred golf courses in the Rochester area, and they are. From what I, under, I'm not a golfer. I'm, I'm terrible. I, I'm banned from courses because I, can, <laughs> I can hit it really far and not any direction that I can control. <laughs> but you know, we also have uh, Bristol Mountain is is actually a, a really big hill for people in Toronto.
0: It's true. So
1: there are some there are some more draws, and people realize the wine industry. You Know, I, I think some would come for that. They have tremendous wineries, but it's something new and you know, a different region. We have these be- beautiful lakes, we have all these natural wonders in the Finger Lakes, yeah. the the gorges, the hiking. So, um, you know, I th- I, I, I'm betting there will be a ship at some point, but uh, I'm not taking bets on when
0: uh, you know, I absolutely hope five, so. Five because...
1: years, I'll throw that out there
0: because <laughs> I, I love going to Toronto. I mean, I go up for curling. Uh, a couple times a year, two three times a year, and I love going up there. It's the fact that I have to leave Rochester at, you know, six o'clock in the morning to be up there by nine thirty, you know, and it's again not not a terrible thing, but I have to leave my house at six thirty, you know, six six thirty to be up there early enough. And you will spend
1: forty bucks parking your car if yeah. you are staying downtown.
0: Absolutely. So it's, I mean, it would be amazing. I would really love to do that.
1: One of the Sibley family was. Thinking about it at some point a year or two ago. And at some point, it will make sense. I think it makes Rochester a better place to live to be close to Toronto.
0: Absolutely. And, and well, to be an hour away by yeah. boat. And, and now the development going up in the Charlotte area, yeah. I mean, it can be more people that want stuff to do there. And I mean, for better or worse, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, people have positive and negative opinions about that whole development there. But, you know, the fact that it is there, I think, will bring more. It'll just bring more to the area, regardless if people think it's good or bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I did the Toronto show for a number of years, and there's really nothing like what I did in going on in Toronto. I was amazed that these chefs who are you know, the equivalent of New York City's best chefs, mm. They're, uh, amazing chefs in Toronto, you know, didn't mind spending an hour or two with me doing an interview. Um, you know, who, who am I? This guy from Rochester that you know right. is interested in food, but no one had ever interviewed him doing long format interviews. So right,
0: and when uh, all you sometimes have to do is ask.
1: Yeah, yeah, but no one was. I mean, they, they, you know, lots of little short interviews and things, but nothing uh, you know in depth like you do. Yeah, uh, which you know, has its place, and, and uh, they have some cool stories uh, behind those chefs. So at some point, I may do, I do may do more on Toronto again. It's it's kind of irresistible
0: it really is i mean and you're right i mean for those who haven't you know if you're in rochester and you haven't made the drive to toronto i mean it's really silly it's like not having driven to the adirondacks from rochester i mean we've gotten we've got an amazing city half the distance less than half the distance to new york city and it's and it's so easy to navigate and there's so much good stuff there
2: yeah,
1: yeah. and by the way you probably maybe you did some outdoor skating they have two cool outdoor skating rinks in toronto oh, one really? at the harbor and one uh, by the city hall oh are, very cool if if the weather stays frozen <laughs> uh, actually might be able to do some skating on it.
0: yeah we'll see so it was toronto and then transition to Yeah, and then
1: i i you know the finger lakes wine industry was becoming too interesting and uh, there's 130 wineries now uh I, two hours suddenly made a lot of sense right to, to cover it and uh, uh so I, I may do Toronto and Niagara online, uh and, and not mm. on the radio. So that that's another another option.
0: I mean it's it's such an easy thing to do nowadays. I mean yeah. we're we're sitting in my side room off my living room and I've got a studio here, which is it's it's surprisingly easy to do nowadays. Not to say it's necessarily cheap, but if you have a little bit of willpower, you can make it work. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: it's uh, and, and, and yeah, frankly, you can you can just use your your smartphone and record halfway decent interviews. I ran into someone who was doing that, just you know, passing the smartphone back and forth between them, <laughs> recording interviews <laughs> that that sounded halfway decent and you yeah. know, were worth listening to. Uh, and it, I don't know if if. You want to go with video at some point, or you know, offer that. But uh, I, I really I like the fact that audio can play in the background, yeah. so people can listen to us, and and they can search my site and find that sh- that ship I was talking about that goes so fast, and uh, they can search the you know Toronto Curling Club and oh, of w- course, while they're
0: one of many Toronto Curling Clubs,
1: yeah, I, <laughs> while they're just you know listening to. Uh, you know something like this, so yeah. I, I have no interest in adding video. It would it would mean I have to shave and and do stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, my my home studio is up in my attic, which is uh, you know, three, third story, looking out on the city of Rochester. It's it's uh, a pretty place to do it. I'm seldom in the studio. Yeah, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes at home, often at, at other places, broadcasting on on the weekends.
0: Right. So. Yeah, I know you do a lot of remote work, because I know you've, uh, when I, w- I actually went on your show, what was it, I think it was last year or the year, you know, in the summer sometime, uh, we were at the public market, and you recorded it above the public market office.
1: Yeah, they actually used to do radio up there in the 1930s, I think. They broadcasted commodity prices from the public really? market. So, That's fascinating. Hogbacks, or you know, five <laughs> cents, and uh, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, sort of like bringing radio back to the public market to be up there.
0: And it's really cool. It's it's quite the energy when you're at the public market in the summertime.
1: Yeah, there's 50,000 people there. Yeah. That's why all the politicians show up. Because oh, where it's, else it's, are you going to find
0: that many people? And everybody, everybody's there. Yeah. You get all demographics um, because you can get, you know, the most local, organic, you know, ethically farmed things. And you can get, you know, almost a bushel of. Peppers for three bucks, depending on the day and time. You know, you can get anything and everything.
1: I don't know if you've ever done this. I only did this because I was there, hoping to set up for the festival of food quite a few years ago. But uh, I was basically there all night to to set up, and so it's uh, everyone should try to get to the public market at like four in the morning, sometime, <laughs> maybe even three thirty in the morning. Yeah and and given what i said about not being a morning person i was only there because i was still up from the night before <laughs> but you should get there and just and maybe you or someone else can do a time lapse photo uh, series so that people don't actually have to do this yeah but just to watch the energy of the market change as you know the first vendors start to trickle in around like 4 a.m. uh maybe even 3:30 and you know start to set up and uh, a few shoppers show up, and some more vendors, and and it starts to get light, and it really, uh, you know, just hang out and enjoy coffee and and uh, you know, a variety of pastries for six hours, and watch <laughs> watch this this thing go from pure bare concrete, nothing, right, uh, and and then fifty thousand people. It's fun.
0: It, it is one of the yeah, it's. It's hard to beat that energy on a Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's re, it's coming along too as a as a destination, not only for the vendors but for uh, you know the food destinations are getting greater and greater there. And
1: yeah, I think I, I'm again. It, it hasn't happened as fast as I thought it would, hmm. but you know, with cure there, uh, it's I mean, what's the restaurant's biggest. Problem usually is parking. Cure has like six hundred parking spots <laughs> with full time security staff, right. uh, Gated entrance and exits, and you know there, there's going to be more restaurants. Well, Fiorella's now is open. Uh, there, there's going to be a bunch more that will eventually open because the 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 uh, not the commodity, but the um, distributors that are there. There's a florist. There's a couple vegetable fruit vendor. Uh, Mm-hmm. Distributors, they don't need that frontage in the market. No, they can do that from anywhere, and and probably will relocate near the market. But that'll go to all retail, and I'll, I'll bet there's going to be a bunch of restaurants. It'll become its own little district. And you got Railroad Street with the distillery and Black Button Distillery and Warbox. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be a, a really really cool area to live in and to to uh, go and visit.
0: Yeah, it's really coming up fast, and Furello is pretty dynamite if you haven't been already.
1: I haven't. It looks cool inside. It's one of near the top of my list to visit next.
0: Yeah, they did some really nice stuff with the space. It's it's a big open space, but it feels comfortable. It's a big changeover from what it was before, which was just a just a bakery of some sort. I didn't really stand out amongst the crowd, um, but they're really doing some good stuff with pizza and. You know, all pasta from scratch and stuff like that—very tasty stuff.
1: Yeah, that's. I'm behind on some of those places. I got to get in there.
0: Absolutely. So that kind of covers the basis on what you're doing right now on the radio, right? And you're doing five hours a week.
1: Yeah, yeah. I do. I do a finger-like show you alluded to earlier, following yeah. gardening and food. So I do three hours on uh, Saturdays, and the finger-like show it just <laughs> allows me to kind of put in things that don't fit in gardening or food or wine and uh we the the number of destinations in the Finger Lakes is growing there's a new museum that's underway the in branchport the the Finger Lakes Cultural Natural History Museum and Aquarium uh you've got uh the Seneca white deer issue which is a big one right now as they they try to raise money to save that herd of white deer and the former what, Seneca Army Depot
0: What's what's that all about? I haven't heard about that.
1: Uh well, the, the, this herd of deer developed at this former Seneca Army Depot over the last I don't know, fifty years, I guess, because they were fenced in, and this 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 recessive gene, uh, this happens in nature and in the wild too. Occasionally, produces a white deer. It's not albino; it's just a, a recessive gene. Yeah. But because they confined them, this recessive gene. Uh, ride more quickly maybe, and and they protected those white deer that would normally be killed almost immediately except in a snowy winter. Uh, they don't stand a chance in the wild.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: But on the Army Depot, they, they weren't hunting them, and so it gradually grew and more and more, and there's hundreds of them now. Uh, and it's the largest herd of white deer, in the I think, in the world. Uh, and the uh, Industrial Development Agency there, Seneca County, has said that if the the organization Seneca White Deer can raise enough money, they perhaps will take a a bid that is not the highest bid, as long as they can show the impact they'll have on tourism and things by uh, turning this into a, you know e- eco tourism destination.
0: That's fascinating. I um, mean, it's such a weird ecological thing to happen completely by accident.
1: Yeah, and and you've got. Uh, you also, I mean, it's an interesting place in terms of the nuclear weapons storage that was there and yeah. uh, military history. But there's a lot of other wildlife, too, not just the deer. They just happen to be the really unique part of it. And we already have the Montezuma National Wildlife Refuge. We have the Finger Lakes National Forest. We have Watkins Glen State Park and uh, all these other n- natural resources that are will draw people. And this just adds to it. And it's... Uh, hopefully they they can be successful. It's SenecaWhiteDeer.org. dot um, org, and uh, very dedicated folks. Been working on this for quite a few years.
0: That's really cool. So I kind of wanted to get into, um, kind of wanted to get into your fascination with the Finger Lakes. I mean, it's pretty evident when you when you look at, obviously, the amount of time you spend talking about the Finger Lakes in your radio show. And when I see on social media, it's it's a big focus of what you do. What was the you know what was the initial drive for you to get involved with Finger Lakes in general? Uh probably
1: the wine. Yeah. And in that connection. I've been doing the wine show I think 14 years now at this point, and gotten to know a lot of the the people. It, it remains a family run wine industry in the Finger Lakes. It's not corporate like California or even Long Island is is largely corporate now. Uh so it's it's got this this great family atmosphere and and uh uh you know I also kind of discovered that Rochester's basically we're part of the Finger Lakes. We right now we live in the Finger Lakes if you live in Monroe County. Right. because it's one of the I think 14 counties that are part of the Finger Lakes tourism region as recognized by New York State. Yeah. So and most people in Rochester don't feel like they're in the Finger Lakes. They drive to the Finger Lakes, but we're, we're actually in it. We're the gateway city. The, this is if you're going to fly in to visit the Finger Lakes from somewhere else in the world, you're going to use the Rochester Airport, probably. We are we are the gateway city. And so, uh, I, I guess that part of that just sunk into me that. You know, we—I I already was part of the Finger Lakes. I love nature. I love the history the Finger Lakes has. Uh, incredible history, both in wine and in in cultural history, with uh, the the um, you know, Women's Rights National Park and uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of the Erie Canal. And uh, we really we have this this truly fascinating region, which is is beautiful and uh, and, and I think. I've become more possessive of it, I guess, in a sense, as these other threats have have shown up, and and uh, uh, you, you start to realize how important and and how rare it is to have a region like this uh, that we we have to you know have to stand up and 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 protect it.
0: Yeah, and I I think I, I think when I see the passion that you have for it it really does make me want to explore more about it. And I think I'm kind of like the way you were at some point is you, you don't realize it until you spend more time there. And I'm starting to go out a little bit more and spend a little more time. It, it, I'm starting to come around a little bit cause it's, it's, it, you're right. It's hard to remember that you're part of the region because you, I mean, you, you spend your time in the city, you work in the city, you, you live right near the city and you can you get separated from from the country you get separated from what is essentially upstate New York what is New York state is you know the finger lakes is the the back country is most of New York state
1: so you, all you have to do is go down the road to Casa Larga and hike out into their back vineyards and you know you, you'll have that sense of that you really are in the finger lakes yeah um but you know funny uh, it, it, there were vineyards all around New York State and even up uh you know in uh, Rondecoy Bay had vineyards did it really pre pre prohibition uh there were vineyards throughout the state uh so that and, and that's growing as well now again all over all over New York State so um the finger lakes is really the driver for that though you know, New York, New York State was recognized as the wine region of the year by Wine Enthusiast Magazine a year ago, 2014, Yeah. a little over a year ago, and uh, that wasn't because of Hudson Valley or Long Island or you know the six wineries in the Adirondacks that, or Welch's grape juice in
2: in <laughs> Western New York
1: and and now some really good wineries in Western New York. That's the Finger Lakes. Half the wineries in New York State. Uh, that's well, not half. Let's see, four hundred wineries in New York State, uh, one hundred and thirty in the Finger Lakes. So, you know, what's that? a third, yeah, about or a so. third. Yeah, yeah. But it's the you know, the ones that get the most recognition really are are basically the Finger Lakes.
0: I mean, the the cachet that's come along in the last few years. I think what people have started to recognize is that it's a, it's a dynamic wine growing region. It is a it's something it's offering something different at a very approachable price point, and i, I think a lot of people start to pick up on that slowly it's, yeah <laughs> well, it is it is slow so trying to get the restaurants to pick up on that see that that's something i'm very another thing <laughs> so i'm it's been one of those things as I've listened to your show over the last you know couple of years when you talk about a restaurant, you go. Right for the throat, you go for. Do the have Finger Lakes wine on their list, and if they don't or it's underrepresented, why don't you have more?
1: Yeah, and I'm actually going to try to do interviews about that uh, coming up, and and you know not not secret interviews. I'm, I'm going to you know do it face to face if they'll if and I'm sure a few restaurateurs will 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 do the interview, especially yeah. one in Albany. I, I'm really dying to interview this one in Albany. Which you know has none by the glass in the Finger Lakes, and they had the the gall to charge a it was actually a, a Western New York winemaker to open his own wine in their restaurant. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming they didn't know he was the winemaker, right. He may not have told them that, but no of course not. Uh, just just you know so much of the tax dollars that that run Albany. Uh, a lot of that is coming from Finger Lakes and New York State wineries and breweries and cideries and distilleries, and to have an Albany restaurant, supposedly a pretty good one, have zero on the list, and they had wines from around the world, right? That, you know, Riesling from Germany. They had, you know, uh, you know, probably six countries, right? Three states, not the Finger Lakes. Are you, that's that's uh, either ignorance which is possible, sure. laziness, which is also possible, <laughs> or, or, or they're intentionally putting their thumb in the eye of the, the local wine industry because they think it's no good. You know, yeah, I mean, local people, wines aren't any good.
0: Right, because people, people think local a lot of times. Now, it, it's, I, mean, I think the, the mood's changing, not only with local, local farming. Obviously, that's a big part of the restaurant industry right now. But I think the local, the artisanal movement... I think he is benefiting not only the food, but the wine. I think people are trying to appreciate what's around them a little bit more right now.
1: Slowly. It's happening more with beer and hard cider, I think, than with wine right now.
0: The the local brewery scene is exploding. It's been, yeah. I mean, almost every town has a brewery now. I mean, Webster's got Knucklehead, Fairport's got, you know, Fairport Brewing. Um, There's so many new ones in the city. Obviously, a lot of this coming from the Farm Brewing, I think it's called the Farm Brewing Act if i remember correctly
1: yeah those those changes in regulations made a uh, huge difference in people's willingness to to start these businesses and uh, um, you know it's it is just beginning to grow uh, and and that's also with the finger lakes as a wine region i i got really upset about this when i looked at the pacific northwest and i i looked at spokane washington mm-hmm Maybe you've heard me say this. Maybe you've heard me say this many times. Hey, I love it. But you know, Spokane, Washington's on the edge of the Columbia River Valley, a big wine region in the state of Washington. And it's a similar-sized city to Rochester. So similar location. Rochester's on the edge of the Finger Lakes. And uh, the first three restaurants I found online in Spokane had uh, half to three-quarters of their wine list from the Pacific Northwest wow, half to three quarters, and one of them had none from California. they were sticking their thumb in the eye of California like we don't we don't need you we we make our own wines here in the Pacific Northwest, which is you know that was kind of funny but uh, so you know if if the first three restaurants I look at have half to three quarters, and Rochester at that point had like one. Which and I looked at 120 restaurants. I visited 120 yeah. as part of New York wine spotting, and it was simply crepes had had about about half of their list from the Finger Lakes. Only one, yeah. Joey B's was close, around 40, percent and then then it was like dropped off to the token semi dry riesling. Wow. So you know we need to develop pride in the region, and that comes from people demanding asking when they go into a restaurant. They don't have a finger like wine or all they have is a semi dry Riesling. You want a dry wine? Don't order wine. Yeah. They'll make less money. I, I walk out of restaurants sometimes. But, you know, Well, I mean you you're and not everyone needs to do that.
0: No, and I know you're <laughs> I mean, you're you're definitely an evangelist. I mean there's there's you know, there's it's hard to get away from. But it, it's it's necessary in a lot of ways because it drives somebody like me who I'm not a I'm not a wine connoisseur yet. I, I know what I like and I enjoy I enjoy wine when it's good, when it's interesting, when it's complex, when it's not sweet. You know, it's it's all that stuff. I enjoy that. But that topic doesn't come up in my head because I'm not focused on it. You know, I see when they're serving macro beers. And that drives me crazy. I don't see why you do that. Because there's so many great options. Whether it's local, whether it's craft, whether it's Upstate New York, whether it's you know regional, all sorts of great stuff that that drives me crazy now. Like I, I don't get why you serve that. Yeah, so,
1: when's the brewmaster from Coors Light going to show up in your restaurant and leave a tip? Right. Um, but Knucklehead will show up yeah. probably. Probably already have. I'm sure. Or or uh, you know any of the the local brewers. It's it's you we're back to that local sense of place and uh, you know and. And supporting other local businesses, yeah. Uh, and so I, I really don't understand why a why a wait waitstaff. I mean, do they get excited about selling Behringer wine to people who come in a restaurant in Rochester? I mean, what's exciting about Behringer? They they make really good wine. Some of it, some of it, not so you know sort of mass produced. But you know, uh, is there is there a winemaker going to come in and leave a tip? Right. Uh, no, it's uh, it, it makes no sense. I don't I don't mind if they're on the list. I mean, I'm actually not a fan of 100% Finger Lakes wine lists because I think we can compete with the world and put a few Australian, put a few French, a few German, a uh, couple of California on there, and then have half your list from the Finger Lakes or yeah. other parts of New York State.
0: Right, you, you've got Niagara, which is coming up quick. Yeah. I mean, New York, Niagara. But, I mean, I think... Obviously you know the perception of you know, Niagara and Finger Lakes wine, the old perception of a lot of sweetness, a lot of, you know, old school, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, you know, these the sweet table wine thing. And obviously that's the that's the impression a lot of people have to get over because there's although there are lots of wineries still doing that, yeah. Because it's very popular amongst you know, amongst a certain sect of the population. And younger
1: people often start with a sweeter wine and you know that's that's fine. It's it's paying the bills for a lot of wineries that yeah. they're selling a lot of the sweeter wine. But uh, I, I think for restaurants a lot of the owners and maybe even the wait staff don't get to visit the wineries much. They're too busy. Yeah. And so they, they don't realize how things are changing. But one of the things that mystifies me is that you know, restaurants generally are looking for new customers, and you've got these wineries like Casa Larga or Fox Run that get fifty to 80,000 visitors a year. Wow. Now, what percentage of those visitors do you need as a restaurant to improve your bottom line? Yeah the the restaurants need to adopt a few of these wineries and and establish a relationship and get to know the winery and get their wait staff down to visit the winery. Uh I'm going to be working on this in here in the new year. And you just you need to take advantage uh, as a restaurant of these visitors to the wineries. There's a I mean 50 to 80,000 it's it's just amazing. I don't think restaurants realize What's happening at the wineries?
0: Yeah, it's. I think we, like I was mentioning before, we kind of forget what a tourist destination the Finger Lakes is, is and has grown into over the last few years. I mean, you get a dras- you get a lot of people from around the state, around the world, coming just to see the Finger Lakes now. Um, I mean, just the tourism from you know the you know the New York City area is massive.
1: There's actually 60 or 65 million people within a day's drive of the Finger Lakes. Wow! <laughs> and, wow. and it's if you're uh, down in Watkins Glen, you're only I think four and a half hours out of New York. Yeah, New York City. That's in New Jersey. Um, so we we were we were poised for some uh, some pretty amazing growth. Yeah, uh, in the region right, land prices if if you want to buy a vineyard close to Paul Hobbs in California in Sonoma i don't know half a million an acre 300,000 an acre i mean if you want to build a a winery in Washington state of Washington hundred, two hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand 200,000 150,000 an acre maybe yeah uh finger lakes 6,000 wow exponentially less and and you can be within a couple miles of Paul Hobbs' new vineyard, down by Watkins Glen.
0: That's yeah. That that was a big deal, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's rather unusual. It seems that when the best in an industry come to your state, yeah. You know, let's say, and I think it'd be kind of cool actually if if Apple, uh, the company came and and set up an East Coast operation in Williamson, New York. (laughs) It's Apple country. Yeah, What a cool, what a cool, I mean, great cost of living uh, and, you know, maybe for a data center or something, uh, you know, if, if that happens, guess who shows up to, to congratulate them? You know, every single politician you can name, including Schumer and Gillibrand and Cuomo. Oh, Of course. They'd be there shaking their hand. Welcome.
0: Waiting for them to win. Great end. to have you here.
1: Um, we'll hand you, you know, millions in tax uh, abatements and things to be here. And, right. And so, so you have Paul Hobbs and uh, Johannes Selbach and Louis Barol, who's from France, uh, come to the Finger Lakes and actually invest money without any incentives at all, <clears throat> investing millions, and have... Cuomo or Gillibrand or Schumer shown up to say, We're excited to have you here. Thank you for choosing New York State. You could have gone anywhere in the world. Right. You could have gone to any of the other 47 states that uh, are not on the wine map, other than California and Washington, Oregon. They could have gone to Washington, Oregon. Right. They're here. Hmm. Uh, They're here because they believe in it, not because anyone gave them incentives to be here. Right. They're going to be producing a lot of jobs. Uh, you know, it's it's mystifying why why our our, our governor has basically ignored them, and they've been here for a few years. Actually, Louis Barol and Forge Sellers—they've scored ninety points for the first three rieslings they've produced. I don't think another winery in the world has ever done that in Wine Spectator.
0: In the first three years. First
1: three years, all three ninety-point vintages. So now we got to see if they can do it four years in a row. Probably can, <laughs> but. That's that's amazing, Uh, and 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 you've probably heard me say this about Paul Hobbs too. He 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 went to Argentina. He was hired as a consultant to make Chardonnay in Argentina Mm. in 1989, Uh, and 25 years later, a year ago, he scored 90 points for his his Malbec from his own winery in Argentina. So. 25 years ago, they were actually ripping out Malbec in Argentina. They'd given up on the vine, on the grape. Wow. They said, it's useless. We're going to plant Merlot and Cab Sauvignon and Chardonnay. You know, the popular stuff with everybody's. No more Malbec. I mean, just literally ripping entire vineyards out. And Paul went there, and uh, he asked the winery that hired him to make Chardonnay, can I make some Malbec? And they said, no, you can't. <laughs> and but he made some anyway, and and I guess the story is that the wine writers came in. To, it was Catena as the winery, Nicholas Catena, uh, one of the biggest wineries in Argentina. They uh, brought the wine writers in in nineteen, must have been nineteen ninety one or nineteen ninety two, something like mm. that, and uh, tasted through the wines, some of which Paul had consulted on, like the Chardonnay, and said, uh, you know, Catena said that's it you've tasted uh, what do you think? And Paul said, no, actually there's, there's one more. <laughs> the guy still didn't know about the mailback. And it was the mailback that all those writers wrote about. Uh. And, uh, not just hundreds of millions, but probably in the four to $6 billion range investment from around the world is now gone into Argentina, uh, and Paul was one of three flying winemakers. He's not solely responsible, but he is one of the key people that's responsible for Melbach. And so th- those are the kinds of people that investors follow, the the pioneers, the the people that can see the future. And uh, and, and I frankly I thought that there'd be more uh, investment in the Finger Lakes following Paul's purchase, which was 2013, <coughs> and Louis Barol as well from Chateau Saint Come. So they're doing the forged sellers, so that hasn't really happened, but there will be a land rush because land is so cheap, and we're making ninety-point wines consistently, reds and whites, and sparkling wine, and dry rosé, and and uh, ice wines. That uh, there's there's going to be a, a land rush at some point. Yeah, and we've got again people brought here. They looked around the world, and where do we where do we See the most exciting region, and and they chose the
0: Finger Lakes. Well, you know what? I I think that's. I think it's all going to make me look at the look at the wine list a little more critically going forward, because it's something, like you said, it's. We've got so much going on. We've got dynamic investors. We've got interesting product, and it's such a big part of what restaurants do. To be ignored, you know, and it, it is ignored in a lot of ways. A lot of times, it's just a distributor comes in, gives them a list, and they go away.
1: That's that's usually what it is, and that's where the laziness vector comes in. Yeah, but then again, you know, running a restaurant is is tough. It's hard, of course. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm glad other people do, so I can go and enjoy them. <laughs> Me so, too. You know, I, I I hammer on the restaurant owners for not carrying local wines, but I also understand that, you know they were worried about whether the prep cook's going to show up or whether they're going to have a full wait staff, or whether, you know, the the drain's going to clog today. But, you know, if if you want to sell more wine, you, you need to have a wine with a story. And, and you know, having a wait staff member come over to your table and say, you know, would you like to uh, see our wine list? Um, you know, I was just at Glenora and... Their Pinot Blanc is amazing. You need to try it. I'll bring you over a little sample. Try this Pinot Blanc from Glenora.
0: Right, and what, what wouldn't be amazing about having a – and I think that's, that opens up some interesting opportunities where, you know, you don't have to have one from every winery in the Finger Lakes. You can develop a relationship with one specific winery, get an interesting variety, give them an opportunity to try some different stuff too to give you something unique that you can sell at your, you can sell at your restaurant because you want them to try the different stuff. You know, you want, you want something interesting. You want something unique for you. It can offer some amazing opportunities. If you got these partnerships going with different restaurants say, Hey, we're only selling these to this small selection of places and it's only to the restaurants. I mean, that happened, that happens in the beer industry and that happens in other places where you give things that are only available in certain places. It could be really interesting.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I think it's those relationships that are gonna make the difference in the long run. It, it's about the excitement that the wait staff has about the wine list. And you know, if they've been to visit the winery and you know, they get a sense for how unique this product is or or um, you know, the story behind it, you're gonna you're gonna for most waitstaff not everyone but you're going to you're going to sense that in their excitement yeah. in their face and their voice and and you know they're not going to go visit Mandavi in California probably <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a pretty winery to visit I'm sure but, it is you know if if you want your waitstaff to get inspired about wine uh, you got to bring them to some finger lakes wineries make sure they get there and then the, the restaurant's going to sell more wine and simply crepes did this a year and a half ago they they, start, they already had a lot of Finger Lakes wines, but they decided to feature one winery each month and offer anyone who came in for lunch or dinner a free sample of a red and a white from that winery. It's a great idea. And you know, the wineries didn't donate that wine. They, the restaurant bought it. And they followed the results carefully. Pierre is an accountant, I think, the owner. He's, that's his background in Pierre Haru. And uh, so they, they carefully followed this. Their check totals are up. Their tip totals are up, their wine sales are up, and and that includes the small amount of wine they're giving away. Yeah. So what restaurant doesn't want, you know, higher check did check totals, tip totals, and wine sales? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it, no one else is doing it.
0: It's so it, it's hopefully kinda, some will. Yeah, I I certainly hope so. Especially in the, I mean, not that simply crepes isn't you know nicer dining, but. This should be more common in the finer dining restaurants in our area as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Especially those that focus on local. I mean, when they're when they're pushing a local sourced menu, when they're right. pushing the other stuff,
1: <laughs> that, that often th- doesn't follow. Uh, Lento has a, a tremendous finger lakes wine list by the bottle. Mm. They really, I don't know it's like thirty or forty or fifty bottles, different ones. That's great, um, including some really unknown ones like Leon Malo. Which, you know, virtually no one's ever heard of that variety, and mm. uh, that's that example that you're talking about of something unique that people won't recognize, but a, a waitstaff member could intrigue someone. Right. You know, and this is this, you know, you, you need to try this. This is uh, there's only one winery making it in the Finger Lakes. It's Kuka Lake Vineyards, and they're actually selling this French American hybrid for more than Cabernet. Awesome which generally french american hybrids don't get a lot of respect uh, huh. price wise it's 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 all, it's all about vinifera cab and merlot and and uh, chardonnay and riesling but this one is and so uh, you know it, it, somehow this year I, I i am predicting this year will be the year that that things change i think it'll change pretty quickly as as restaurants try to follow each other uh, and are, don't want to be left behind but we We can't remain the only wine region in the world that doesn't highlight its own wines
0: no that's that's kind of criminal, yeah. so yeah it's I'm definitely starting to feel more passionate about the subject so that's that's a great thing.